Tony Patrick. Look at this. What is this? He's out of his mind. Hatchet coming out. Oh! Gabrick right over top of Dom. What, what is, is he going to get a tripping penalty? What's he going to get? For me, I just want to play hockey, and that's my goal. Just go out, have fun, and play hockey. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Giants in the Crease podcast. I'm your host again, Jeremy. And without further ado, we got a couple topics, a couple good long talk bits to talk about. So let's just jump right into it. And the first thing I want to jump into is Calvin Picard being waived by the Vegas Golden Knights and then the trade right afterwards to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, for those who have been uh, paying attention to this uh, Calvin Pickard saga. It's been very interesting. He goes from promising prospect in Colorado to then establishing himself as an NHL goalie. Then he struggles last season when given the starter role. Picked up by Vegas in the expansion draft. And, you know, naturally Vegas fans are going to be excited because of the two years before last year where Calvin Picard had some good seasons. And so, you know, the thinking was, hey, this guy might be our goalie of the future. You know, he's still a young-ish proven record in the NHL. You know, this guy might be the guy when uh, Marc-Andre Fleury moves on. Obviously, though, that was not the case because they then waived him before he even got a single regular season game in. And now he's a part of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, what is Vegas doing? Well, Vegas is still going for that goalie of the future. If you listen to Bob McKenzie's Bobcast, or don't, uh, he actually explained the situation pretty well on there, and I'll try and make sure I get as close to the explanation as verbatim as I possibly can. So, Vegas knows that Calvin Pickard is the better goalie than Malcolm Subban right now, and that he might be the better goalie for the next two years. The purpose of bringing in Malcolm Subban, though, was to get that future goalie behind Marc-Andre Fleury. And like I said last podcast and on Twitter, you know, this is Vegas' year to experiment. And they are going all in, at least at the NHL level, in their experimentation. You know, they believe that they have the goalie and Malcolm Subban, the talent there and everything, in order for him to be the number one goalie in two to three years. Where does that leave Pickard? Well, it left him on waivers and then gone. Obviously, that shows that Vegas isn't really concerned about competing this year in terms of playoff spots. Yes, they want to bring in their fans. They want to win. They want things to be exciting. But they know that when they put Malcolm Subban in at this year, the expectations are going to be low. The only expectations that Malcolm Subban has this year is to improve his game and get better as the year goes on. Now, will that happen? I don't know. You know, some some players, some goalies, some people, all they need to succeed is someone to believe in them. Someone to give them that opportunity because Malcolm Subban, like I said, Last episode, he had dropped to number four on the Bruins' depth chart and was in a little bit of trouble of losing that spot to Dan Vladder in the next year or so. But now Malcolm Subban is on a team where he doesn't have to compete with 
anybody. Oscar Dance and Maxine Lagasse, they aren't going to come up from the AHL and push Malcolm Subban for that backup spot. And Marc-Andre Fleury, he's got the starting position. So right now, Subban can do his own thing and not have to worry about anybody, you know, really pushing up from behind him and passing him on the depth chart. All Malcolm Subban has to do is learn from Marc-Andre Fleury how to be a starting goalie in the NHL. And that's why this works out so well for Subban. He wins with this waiver pickup because he's now getting the chance that he would not have gotten in Boston. Whether he deserves the chance is, I don't know, up to you, up to whoever, but he's getting the chance now, and what he does with it is important and something to keep an eye on. Now, in regards to the other goalie, Calvin Pickard, I really like that pickup by the Toronto Maple Leafs because it really solidifies that backup position behind Frederick Anderson. You know, they have a goalie now who is like Aaron Dell or uh, peak Colorado Peter Budai, even Peter Budai of the last couple of years or the last year or so, who is that steady, perfect backup that you want. Someone who will come in and give the team the same chance or about the same chance to win as the starting goalie. Now the difference of course between a starting goalie and a backup is one who can handle the starting loads. And that's kind of where Calvin Pickard falls short is that he can't handle the starting loads of an NHL goaltender, but he is more than capable of being an NHL backup, and that is very important, something that Boston will tell you hurt them a lot last year, because they couldn't get competent backup goaltending from any one of their three goalies, whether it was Kadobin, McIntyre, or Subban. So now Toronto, they're kind of set, and Pickard's young too, so they can run with a good backup tandem of Pickard-Anderson for a while now and not really have to worry how Garrett Sparks is doing or Kazmir Kazeko or anybody else. You know, they can afford to let uh, Joseph Wool and Ian Scott develop slowly but properly. No need to rush them. It's a good situation to have, knowing that even if Anderson does get hurt, you know, Pickard will might not be the ideal starter, but he's a better backup than what most teams will have. And so he'll provide that stability until Anderson gets hurt. I mean, if it's a long-term injury, it's going to be a bit up in the air, but, I mean, Toronto has shown that they can outscore their problems so far, so it's not a bad thing. Uh, let's move on to our second topic now. And our second topic is the CWHL. And they have officially named all their rosters for the season. So what we're going to do is we are going to break down quickly or not so quickly each team's goaltending either tandem or trio. So first we'll start with the Boston Blades. Now Boston is bringing back two goalies from last year, Jetta Ratcliffe and Lauren Dom. Lauren Dom, we all know, has the starting position all wrapped up. And for good reason. She's an she's a interesting but fun goalie to watch. Because she kind of plays a style that not many other goalies can play because she is a beast of a goalie. Like my 
God. She could probably be, have been a bodybuilder if she wanted to. When instead she put on a pair of pads and decided, hey, I'm going to stop pucks. And she moves well, too. I mean, you expect a really big goalie not to move well, but she, she somehow gets in front of the puck and makes the save. And not just makes the save, but does a decent job directing that puck into non-dangerous areas. So she's tracking well, she's moving her feet, she's moving that massive frame around the net and making it hard to score on her. And I think this year might be a good year for her because with no Olympians, you know, her team won't be vastly outmatched each game. And with the addition of the Vonke Rays, you know, they're not looking so hot themselves, which means that Boston might have finally, you know, a team that they can be even with and provide some competition and maybe help Boston rack up a couple more wins that they wouldn't be able to do. But they won two games last year, and we're hoping for more this year. Now, the other addition is uh, Robin Chamego. She was drafted this past season by Boston, and she's an interesting one. She comes from uh, Dartmouth College, and but her birthplace is Alberta, so the fact that she's come all the way from Alberta to play in Boston is a pretty big deal. And uh, she's actually had a pretty good uh, career in the uh, NCAA. Uh, you know, she improves every year, and that's what you want to see from a goalie, a goalie who steps into a league, and then every year they improve. So she went from a 9.05 save percentage to 9.10, 9.19, and then 9.28 last year. And, I mean, she wasn't on a good, I mean, yeah, she definitely was not on a good team. I mean, her team went 6, 17, and 0, and her team has never really been good, never been above 500. So, I mean, this will be the perfect team for her, a team that's never been above 500 in the past two years. Yeah, Robin Chimay goes ready. And so I think this might be, uh, a very good trio for the Boston Blades because now they have three goalies that they can just kind of swap in and out and succeed. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see how much potential is in that crease right now. And it was exciting last year to see how Lauren Dom kind of came out of nowhere and just took the starting spot and shocked the league in her first game. That was fun. Now, on to the Calgary Inferno. Oh, look at that. Uh... They have finalized their roster, and Genevieve Lacasse is on it. Now, in my article, Balance of Power, uh, when I wrote that only yesterday, which was a Wednesday, she was not on the finalized list. Now she is, though. So now, now Calgary is looking at a very good uh, three-headed monster when Lacasse comes back. So uh, on their roster right now, they have Delaney Bryan, Genevieve Lacasse, Tony Ross, she's a new one, although she was drafted in 2016, and Lindsay Post, who was drafted this year in 2017. Now, Lindsay Post is kind of the X factor while Lacasse is gone. We all kind of know what Delaney Bryant can provide, and Delaney, provide, Delaney Bryant has showed that she's quite good during Olympic years. In fact, she won goaltender of the year during an Olympic year, but Lindsay Post, she's the X Factor. She's a big goalie who moves that frame very quickly around the net. She has so much power in her legs. I bet if we saw her thighs, they'd be like tree trunks. 
that's how strong she is at moving around the crease. And it's not like it's uncontrollable. It is raw, but not to the point where she has a lot of work to do on it. So if she gets some practice in with uh, the Canadian goalie coach, we could see Lindsay Post just explode onto the stage because U Sports or CIS, whatever you want to call it now, they've provided a lot of talented goalies for the CWHL. The two best goalies who have played in the CWHL came from U Sports Hockey, and that's Kim St. Pierre and Charlene Labonte. So I think we have another kind of exciting U Sports prospect in Lindsay Post who could really make an impact because she's going to be sharing the net in more of a traditional tandem role with Delaney Bryan. I think very quickly the Calgary head coach is going to watch Lindsay Post and be like, you know what, I'm going to throw her in net and let's see what she can do. There's a lot of potential in there, and if you can hone that, you might have yourself another big trio, one that won't reach the level that Mashmeyer, Lacasse, and Bryan saw last season but one that might get close and close the gap enough that losing Mashmeyer won't be a huge loss that it is now. now. Moving on to the next team, Kunlun Red Star. I mean, this trio is really simple. We have the two Chinese national goalies, and I'm going to butcher these names, and I'm really sorry, but C.A. Hei and uh, Yu Qing Yang, and Nora Ratu. Now, Nora Ratu, obviously, she's going to be their own goalie. She's going to take up a lot of the starts. But she's also going to be providing, you know, leadership and more importantly, development. I mean, she's a goalie coach in her off times, in, her, uh, in the off seasons. So she knows how to deal with young goalies. She knows how to raise their level and provide a good example because she's a very competitive goalie. She was going to retire. She did retire. From hockey because she was like if I can't be at my best then I don't want to play because it just won't be enough I'll just hate myself for it so here we have Nora Ratu still with us thank goodness and she's gonna be providing the Chinese national goalies with some valuable experience now once Nora Ratu leaves of course for the Olympics um, Things might get a little tricky in that, but hey, it'll give an opportunity to these two goalies to show their stuff and say, you know, maybe we're not as bad as everyone thinks we are. Maybe we're actually pretty darn good. Maybe we're what's going to be providing the Chinese team in uh, the Olympics in 2022 with a, um, you know, with uh, the goaltending needed to, you know, kind of close the gap. Maybe one of us is the next Hung Gao, who was a huge part of the Chinese national program from 1992 to 2005. You know, maybe that's what one of us will be. And that's something to be excited for as a hockey fan and as someone who watches goalies, to see these young goalies come out of nowhere, and especially come out of places that don't traditionally provide big goaltending and that's you know I mentioned this during my greatest goalies of women's hockey history project that I just love women's hockey because the goalies can come out of 
anywhere. There's that opportunity for Goli to come out of anywhere and be a huge star on the stage. That's what Han Gao did. She came out of China at a time when China was not providing much of anything else. But hey, here's their women's hockey team, and then here's Han Gao being freaking awesome. So that's what we're hoping for. Hoping for, but that's not the expectation. Now, the next team up is obviously Lake Canadians, and their trio is, you know, what you would expect it to be. Emrys Mashmeyer will be the number one goalie, barring injury to either her or one of the Canadian national team goalies, because I guarantee you she's number four on their list. Then there's Catherine Heron, who was the backup last year in Montreal, had a respectable season as a backup. And then the third goalie on their list is Marie-Salie Deschens. She was taken this year in the uh, draft by Lady Canadians, obviously. And, you know, she's been on the smaller side, five foot three. so I'm actually kind of interested in seeing her get a game in because I want to see what a five foot three goalie looks like playing. I don't think I've ever seen a goalie that, you know, sure, play the game. But she looks rather solid. I mean, according to the CWHL website, she's 144 pounds, which is only three pounds off of Mashmire. So she must be a little bit stocky in the mold of Lauren Dom. And that's what's kind of more important. It's not about height. It's about how much room you fill. So if she's, like, jacked and, you know, strong legs, then we could be seeing some. Maybe not super special, but it'll be entertaining to watch and interesting. Seeing a goalie like even in women's hockey, five foot three is small. Now, moving on from Lake Canadians to the Markham Thunder, I mean, their roster is super obvious. Uh, Erica Howe, Liz Knox, and then the third goalie is Jamie Miller. I mean, what can you really say about that trio other than? Yeah, it's a good trio um, potential there, especially in Erica Howe. If she can find a way to be more consistent, then Markham Thunder will finally take that step forward into not just being a regular season threat, but in being a Clarkson Cup contender. They have the players, they have the skill, they have the goaltending. They just need to put it all together, and especially since they lost some players this uh, summer to the Buffalo Buttes in the NWHL. You know, we now need Erica Howe to be the goalie she can be. She's a very talented goalie. We just need to see more consistency from her, because when she's on her game, she's... Uh, almost as good as Emirates Mashmire, which, trust me, is a huge compliment considering how high of in regard that I hold Mashmire. So, I mean, Erica Howe could be a top three goalie in the CWHL. She should be a top three goalie this year. And if she is, expect Markham to make some big waves because she will steal games and Markham has the firepower to score some goals and provide wins. So, so when Erica Howe provides the necessary saves and Markham scores necessary goals, that'll happen. That should happen a lot more often. And then we'll see, you know, Markham end up, uh, I think third place should be the expectation. 
I think now's the time to stop saying to ourselves, well, you know, Erica Howe, she's a young goalie. Yes, she's a young goalie. She's only 25, but this is her third CWHL season, and it's time for her to really push forward and make herself that top three, top four goalie in the CWHL. Especially since Lacasse is gone, so the competition is kind of down. Now, she has to be a top three goalie this year. That should be the expectation. Moving on from the Mark of Thunder, uh, across the GGA to the Toronto Furies. Uh, they are coming in with a kind of a new trio of goalies. And Sonia Vanderblijk, Sammy Joe Small, and Amanda Michaela. Now, I'm saying new because they lost Christina Kessler to retirement. And that hurts. And I don't blame fans for being uh, hurt about that. I mean, she was an exciting goalie to watch last year, and she really found her game. Yes, it came in part because of Aaron Ambrose and Renita Fast, but man, did she ever find her game. She was a killer out there on the ice, and almost eliminated the Calgary Inferno. We almost ended up with the Montreal-Toronto-Clarkson Cup final. How interesting would that have been considering Christina Kessler's success versus the uh, Lake Canadiens? So the fact that she's gone hurt, but they do have Sondra Vanderblake, and I cannot stress this enough, how good Sondra Vanderblake is. I mean, she's been just below Christina Kessler level, and sometimes above Christina Kessler levels during her time in Toronto. Uh, this is the perfect season for Sonia Vanderblake to take the starting role because no, no, sorry, very few Olympic players are left around. So her taking the starting role you know, won't be a big of a jump because a lot of the quality of players are away. So that means she can get used to the starting load and then next year you know, be like, I'm already used to the starting load. I know what I have to do before games. Now I just have to stop pucks. I don't care who you are. I'm still going to stop you because I did it last year, and I'm going to do it this year. And uh, I am very happy to see that Sammy Joe Small has stuck around. Very happy to see that. I mean, we all talk about how Haley Wickenizer had a hard time retiring. Jeez, Sammy Joe Small? Is she going to be around until she's 50? Please, maybe, <laughs> get her maybe one more Clarkson Cup championship. Uh, we'll see what her role uh, is this year. Last year, she only played in one game. She won that game, but it was only one game as Kessler and Vanderblijk took the rest of the starts. And Sammy Joe Small doesn't have the backup role, you know, all wrapped up because there's still Amanda Michaela. Now, if you're familiar with that name, it's because Amanda Michaela played with the Buffalo Buttes in the inaugural NWHL season. Then last year was taken in the draft by in 2016 by LA Canadians and was then traded this uh, offseason to Toronto. Now, where she fits in that trio of goalies, I don't know. She is the youngest one there, though, by four years. So maybe we see uh, her and Sammy Joe Small kind of split the backup duties and then have Sonia Vanderblijk take the starting role. Now Toronto might even go a step further and play them not as much as uh, how uh, 
Calgary dealt with having, you know, their three-headed goalie tandem last year, but kind of like a light version of that, where Sandra Vanderblake still gets the most starts, but Michaela and Sammy Joe Small are still pretty close in their own starts. You know, kind of share the load around, because this is the perfect time to do it, as I say again, because, let's hear it, very few Olympic players are left. So the last and final team is the Vonke race, and their goalie tandem is only two, uh, Elaine Chuli and Tiana Zhang. Now, I actually got to talk with Elaine Chuli a bit through email, and oh, she's an exciting goalie. One, though, that I'm not sure what the expectations should be, considering she's coming off a pretty serious injury. She would have been in the CWHL last year if she didn't go down with an injury that she then took the entire year recovering from. In fact, she was going to be in the CWHL this year, no matter what. But it's great to see that uh, you know the Chinese, the Vanke Rays, got very interested in her, wanted her to come over, and she accepted. And she had a very successful college career, and she's going to bring that with her to the Vanke Rays. Now, I did see on Twitter from some uh, very knowledgeable CWHL fans at the bottom is probably going to be fought between Fonke, Boston, and Toronto. So, you know, this year should probably be taken with a little grain of salt, but um, it's still going to be exciting to see what Elaine truly provides, and especially after an injury. I'm not going to hold her to the same expectations that I hold, say, Florence Schelling, who came off her own injury and then is absolutely crushing the SDHL. I'm not going to expect that out of Elaine Chuli. I mean, I barely expected that out of Florence Schelling. I was hoping that for Florence Schelling, but I wasn't expecting it. And I'm not going to do the same for Chuli. I just think we should, we're hopefully just going to see you know her be a starter and her provide... Uh, experience and you know teaching to Zhang the backup goalie because she's gonna be looking up to Chuli I mean when you get someone with that much success on your team and who is that talented you're naturally gonna look up to them and be like yeah you're really good how can I be like you and I know I'm not gonna be like you straight away because you are four years older than me but still I want to be like you soon so this is going to be huge for uh, I mean the expectation should really just be you know have Elaine Chuli hopefully provide uh, competitive or good enough goaltending that that, that Vonke is able to remain competitive kind of what we expected out of Lauren Dom last year and Genevieve Lacasse the year before you know, the team might not be good but just do your best try not to get too discouraged and obviously, of course, have fun. Now, that's the entire breakdown of the roster. Um, if you haven't yet seen it, please go on Twitter or the uh, Crease Giants um, a homepage and look for, it's right at the top, the Balance of Power article that I wrote. It not only uses statistics, but it uses never-before-seen CWHL analytics to go and take an in-depth look at the Mashmeyer trade and the impact of Christina Kessler retiring and just how close the gap is between her and Sonia Vanderblyk. Now we're going to move on 
to uh, a little bit of scouting that I was able to do. So the Wendy Dufton tournament took place recently and was able to watch more than a few games thankfully and five goalies really stood out for me. And those five goalies are Matthew Sproka of the Windsor Junior Spitfires, Evan Ibbotson of the North York Rangers, Davis Tolney of the Oakville Rangers, Cooper Duncan of Little Caesars, and Reese Byberg of the Barry Junior Colts. Now, my top goalie from the tournament, the one that I came away with most impressed with, is Windsor Junior Spitfires, Matthew Sproka. I mean, he plays such a, a very mature game in that he knows he knows how to use his frame he knows what the angles are he knows how to set up you know what best save selection to use where his hands feet everything should be he's thinking the game at a higher level than you see most of his peers do who are still kind of in that reactionary phase well he's past that he doesn't need to be completely reactionary because he can read the play and he knows where the puck is coming from. He follows the puck all the way from the stick right to his body and he's able to shut down play that way. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot to like about him. And, you know, he doesn't feel the need to drop to his knees. He likes to play on his feet because he knows that's the quickest way a goalie can move around and the best way to move around. It was very impressive watching him. And uh, he'll be a top draft pick in the OHL. By top draft pick, obviously, I mean, you know, first half of the draft rather than the last half. But scouts are going to be focused on him. And I can't wait to see more of him. Now, the second goalie, a little bit of a surprise to me because, you know, I don't get to watch GTHL teams too much, but Evan Ibbison of the North York Rangers was definitely one of the best goalies of the game. Uh, he's a, he's one another one of those smart goalies, but unlike Sprocka, a little bit more loose in how he plays, a little bit more reactionary. That's kind of the difference between them. There's a little bit more maturity in Sprocka's game compared to Ibbotson, but man, is Ibbotson ever fun to watch? Uh, the, the best part about his game is how well he recovers after a shot. I mean, he might let out a bad rebound or so, but he'll be right back in front of it like the rebound never happened. He's always giving himself a chance on the second rebound or the third or the fourth. He's always right there able to make that save. And scouts are going to like that, and I really like that. Now, number three on my list is Davis Tolney from the Oakville Rangers. Uh, kind of in the same vein as uh, Evan Ibbotson, uh, but a little bit more focused towards the technical parts of the game. He uh, likes to use... He likes to make the most of his size by uh, going with more of a conservative crease depth, but uses a wide stance, so he still spread out and even though the wide stance generally makes a goalie lower he still has that height that he's not giving up the top part of it easily in any circumstance and so you know playing at that conservative crease depth allows him to react to pucks and direct him into non-dangerous areas rather than if he was at 
if he's more aggressive, he'd just be focused on making the save rather than making an impact on the puck and directing it to where he wants it to go. Uh, he's pretty much one of those very good all-around goalies, but without a lot of quickness in his game. Now, he'll have a burst of speed every so often. I mean, every goalie can do that, but he just doesn't really do everything quickly. It's more just very technical and doing everything well rather than rushing and then making a mistake. Uh, the third goalie is Cooper Duncan from Little Caesars. Uh, I liked him because uh, he gets around the net quickly. And his footwork is just fantastic. He gets around the crease quickly, and he's in position. His hands rarely move. His upper body doesn't move. Uh, wherever he wants to go, he gets there, and he gets there and then set, almost in the blink of an eye. It's fantastic to watch a goalie who knows how to play the game this way. Now, he's average-sized, but he makes himself look bigger because he uses this kind of wide, tall, hybrid stance. So he can make the most of his footwork and uh, how he's able to play on his edges. But... He's still tall enough that he's not giving up the top part of the net. He's not getting so low that he's being vulnerable to long shots that are going high above the shoulder. And that's important because you know you don't want goal, you don't want shooters just sniping on you from far away because that's just embarrassing. You know it's never fun when the puck just goes over your shoulder like that. He is aggressive. But he backs that up by being quite good at being at reading the play, and of course he's quick, which means he's able to quickly get across the net for those cross ice passes, and still in maybe not perfect position, but close enough that he's able to make the save, and he isn't screwed if there's a rebound. Now, last but not least is Rice Byberg, and he'd be higher up on this list, and probably way higher up on scouting lists if he had an extra two to three inches of height. I mean, this this guy is small, but he knows his limitations. He plays at the top of his crease and uses a more upright stance to limit that size issue. I mean, he knows the hand he's been dealt, but that's not going to stop him. And he's not going to be a small goalie and play small. I saw a couple goalies this tournament that were small and played small, but Reese Byberg doesn't do that. He's <laughs> pretty much what's going through his head is, yes, I'm small, but do I care? No, I'm still going to play the way I want to play. And he does that, and that helped him earn the starting job in the tournament. Because usually these teams, they just go, you know, one goalie, two goalie, one goalie, two goalie. But, you know, he was able to earn the starting position beat the Toronto Marlboros in a shootout and then well they lost against Oakville in the next game he was still impressive to watch and more than earned that starting position and the confidence that uh, the coaching staff obviously had in him uh, he's also a good puck handler 
it was fun to watch him. And something I'm noticing in sort of a general sense is that uh, these minor midget goalies, they're not playing the puck very often, or at least in a way that we see, say, Mike Smith or Ben Bishop and the NHL do. I think that's more due to the coaching staff just not really having confidence and being like, you know what, I would rather you stay in the net because you're young and we don't want you making mistakes that could be otherwise avoided. But Reese Byberg, either he earned the confidence of his coaches or his team, or he just said, you know what, I'm a good puck player, I know it, so I'm going to play it. And he's quite strong at playing the puck too. He might be small, but man, this kid can whip the puck up the ice from blue line to from his own net to the far blue line. He can get off a quick, accurate pass. It's oh, very important to have that type of goalie in net, especially, you know, he so he provides something. Of course, the size issue is there. Uh, in the two games that I saw, three goals went over his shoulders that a goalie maybe average size would have probably stopped but because he's the size he is it just went straight over his shoulder and in can't blame him for that but scouts are going to look at that and be like well I mean if he's letting goals in because of the size at this level what's going to happen at the next level I would like to see I mean that hurts but that's not enough for me to write him off completely I mean some goalies just manage to just push their way through be like give me a chance and this tournament showed that Rice Byberg deserves some sort of a chance you know bring him to train you don't have to draft him just bring him to training camp see how he does against OHL or near OHL level shooters and if the size is still a huge issue there then that's it but He's more than deserved this chance after this. It was great to watch him play. And I really do wish him the best. Now, on to the last part of this podcast. And we're going to stick with the uh, prospect part. And it's we're going to do a little bit of a 2018 draft class CHL update. You know, focusing on the goalies from the Canadian Hockey League. And so far, the uh, top goalies are struggling. Jacob Bingham, Alexis Gravel, and I'm adding in Olivier Rodrigue, not because I think he's a top goalie prospect, but because I've seen him high on a lot of lists. So here he is, and he's off to his own hard start. The only top goalie prospect, and one that I've been a big fan of for a while is Kevin Mandelis at the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles and he's having one of the better seasons out of these goalies. It's kind of uh, shocking in a way that we see uh, these goalies get off to bad starts. Now obviously it's the key word there is bad start. Or is start. These is, this is just the start of a very long season for these goalies. Goalies who are either starters on their team or at the very least in a tandem role so while it's 
you know, you want to see these goalies come out and just burn down the barn. But right now, that's not happening. But at least it's giving us a point to be like, okay, the goalie's struggling now. You know, how is he going to improve? How is he going to get better? What are we going to see from him? But even with some goalies struggling, there are goalies succeeding. And I think one goalie who is succeeding under the radar right now is Lucas Fitzpatrick of the Schwinnigan Cataracts. Now, you'll look at his stats and be like, his save percentage is only 0.884. How is that under the radar? Well, if you look at his stats, you'll also notice that he has five games played and only three starts. And in his two relief efforts, the game was already so far out of hand that it affected his stats, and he ended up with the safe percentage he's at now. I mean, the two starts he's had, two out of the three starts he's had, though, have been high-quality starts. They've been good. He's shown that, uh, you know, he's ready for the QMJHL and succeeding, despite all the other goalies still struggling. Plus, I do like his game. Uh, I think he is not a top prospect, but he's at the very least, you know, that average kind of prospect that you can get some more out of. And if you add him to your roster, I mean, late round pick probably, but he's someone to definitely watch for in the draft. And if he's able to keep succeeding and keep pushing himself, who knows what we might end up with because he's currently outplaying the starting goalie in Mikhail Denisov, which is. A little bit hurtful to me because I had Denisov as my number one goalie in the QMJHL heading into this season. He was the guy that I thought, hey, he's going to be the best goalie this year. Nope. Not happening so far. It still can happen, but it hasn't yet. However, it is giving Lucas Fitzpatrick some opportunities to play, and he's taking the most out of the starts that he's getting, which deserves some recognition. Uh, another goalie that I want to bring up that I had the chance to watch is Dean McNabb from the Victoria Royals. And his stats are even way more whack than Lucas Fitzpatrick. McNabb has four games played and only one start. But I like that one start. You know, Dean McNabb, he had a good start and, you know, something to build off, something to show that uh, this might be his year to get drafted. I like the way he played. He moves around the net rather well. And that always sticks out to me because being in position is so important that if you can get in front of the puck quickly and set, you're going to make that save. And it's going to be a good save as well. And by good save, I mean you're going to direct the puck into a non-dangerous area, either by getting possession or putting it in the corner. If you get there as the shot's getting off, you're not going to have as great a chance as directing it. You're just going to get there, and you're going to hope it hits you, and then you're going to hope it goes into an area where the rebound is going to end up immediately in the back of your net. But the uh, thing that we're going to have to watch for with Dean McNabb is that he's playing for the Victoria Royals, which means the starting goalie is Griffin Outhouse, who is the biggest workhorse in probably the CHL. Uh, that guy played so many minutes and so many games last year. And it's going to be hard to take starts away from him. But because you have Dean McNabb as your backup goalie, 
I think the Royal staff can be a little more confident in giving outhouse nights off and still getting quality goaltending out of Dean McNabb. I mean, I have Dean McNabb even above Lucas Fitzpatrick in my rankings. I think Dean McNabb is a goalie prospect that teams should definitely keep an eye on. And if he starts getting more starts and keeps up his gameplay, he'll be a goalie that you should take. And it's nice to see somebody kind of breaking out. It would be nice to see someone break out in the WHL right now because there really isn't anybody of note. It's kind of weird because last season we had Stuart Skinner, Ian Scott, and then there was Dylan Ferguson, all kind of you know broke out or were top prospects last year. At least Scott and Skinner were at the start of the season. They were, you know, those the goalies to watch. And now this year, uh, probably the top goalie prospect, who everyone was falling over, and Carl Stankowski, he's out injured, and no one else has really been at the forefront. So we need some goalies in the WHL to break out, and Dean McNabb is definitely on the high list for that. So yes, that is it for my topics this week. Uh, if you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast or just through an email, you can of course go to the uh, Giants in the Crease contact page or via Twitter and you can say, can you answer this on your podcast because I know you'll talk about it a lot or can I just have a quick answer here and I'll do my best to answer it. I don't know everything, unfortunately. I wish I did, because then I'd probably get hired and be making more money than I am now, which would be nice, because I have a wedding coming up. But uh, for now, it's just nice to be able to talk about goalies around the world from both men's and women's hockey, talking prospects. It's just fantastic to be able to do this and I can't wait to do episode number three and I'm interested to see you know what kind of goalie news we end up with in the coming weeks so thank you for listening to Giants in the Crease podcast episode number two and I will see you next time